This episode of the Youth Ministry United podcast is brought to you by G-Shades. G-Shades is a youth ministry curriculum and teaching strategy that is focused on helping students see every life situation through the lens of the gospel. And I know what you're thinking. Graham, I don't have the budget for a youth ministry curriculum. But I'll tell you this, guys. G-Shades has options to fit everybody, and I mean everybody, with three plans to choose from. And every single one of these plans has the resources that you need to do what you want to do, which is impact your students and to impact them better. So if you just need message outlines, a discussion guide for your small groups, and like a game, that plan is only $16 a month. Maybe you're looking for higher production value, like a bumper video before the message or an Instagram devotional or a parent guide so you can keep them informed on what you guys are teaching. That's only $25 a month. And and let's say you want to step it up again and have a video curriculum that's going to help you increase your online reach during this pandemic and moving forward because we know all of our kids are online. G-Shades has you covered for that. It's only $36 a month. You're not going to find youth ministry video curriculum at that price point anywhere else. And I'll tell you this, just from what I've downloaded and used myself, the content that they create is amazing. It is so excellent, so well done. The content is good. The outline messages are incredible. The bumper videos alone are worth $36 a month. It just takes your messages. It takes your impact to the next level. You don't want to miss out on this. So head to gshades.org to download season two of G Shades Youth Ministry Curriculum and make sure you use the promo code UNITED. That's U-N-I-T-E-D, all uppercase, UNITED, at checkout to get an extra $5 off. And remember, G Shades, it's about seeing life through the lens of the gospel. Welcome to the Youth Ministry United podcast, where our goal is to equip you, encourage you, and empower you to do all that God has called you to do in your youth ministry. So without further ado, let's jump into this week's episode. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Youth Ministry United. I am the podfather, also known as Matt Bowman. Uh, I am riding solo today, except for our guest, which I'm excited to introduce to you, Todd Jones. What's up, bro? What's up, man? Well, thank you so much for having me. Not a problem, man. I'm excited that you're here. Um, before we hop into this, uh, we ask all of our guests an icebreaker question, which I did not share with you because I would love to hear kind of uh, on the spot what your answer is to this. On the spot. All right. And this, this is going to tell us a lot about who you are. Okay. So if you were staring any mammal face to face, the mammal can't move. It's not going to run away. It's not going to fight back. What mammal could you knock out with one punch? Oh, wow. That's a, this does, this is going to tell you a lot. This is definitely a, a deep question. Right Absolutely. Now. Hmm. I, I could, I could sock a cat easily <laughs> like, like a house cat. Like that thing's done. My dog's you know? barking now. <laughs> that just scared me. <laughs> uh, yes. Cats. Cats are definitely uh, a, a solid answer for most of our guests. Okay. Well, you know, I mean, I know that, I know that uh, I could do it with that, with a good conscience. Um, and I also know that, you know, I'd, I'd probably win on that one. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I driving around Springfield here in farm country, Springfield, Ohio, I, you know, I, I initially thought of a, like a squirrel possibly, but the more I think about it, I think I can knock out a baby cow. Wow. I mean, I, I, I was thinking some sort of farm animal, but I'm, you know, might break my hand though too, you know? So. Yeah, absolutely. I think the key is to find something with a big enough head to the point where you're going to knock it out or something real small. So cat, a cat, I I like that answer. (laughs) Very solid. Awesome. So, Hey, let's hop in here, man. Um, Before we, before we get started, let's, um, let's have you just share kind of a little bit about who you are, where you're from, where you serve, kind of background in ministry, whatever you want to share for any of our guests. Uh, Just, yeah, go ahead and tell everyone who you are. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so thank you so much again for having me on here. Um, my name is Todd Jones. I've been in student ministry for the last 13 years. Um, love working with students, love uh, getting to, to really prepare them for ministry. Um, not, not just, you know, have students that we just have fun together or whatever, but really prepare them to, to change their world. Um, seeing these students as world changers is just it's what keeps me going. It's what fires me up to, to, to do this for the last 13 years. Um, I'm from California, um, born and raised in Southern California. And right now I'm in the Bay area. I'm at a church, uh, up in San Francisco area. So about eight hours North of where I grew up in San Diego, but, um, love it here. Love getting to do ministry, uh, in this, this context here. And, um, so yeah, we, uh, we're at an awesome church, here, my role is to uh, oversee the ministry on our campus and then also uh, kind of oversee the other campuses that we have as well. So um, pretty cool role and, and pretty good opportunity to really impact students. That's awesome, man. Um, cool. So I'm excited about the, the conversation we're going to have today. Um, I asked you to kind of um, kind of share anything leadership, uh, anything leadership related for our, our youth pastors listening. And so um, you kind of just sent me over three things that you think leaders should be. So let's, let's kind of just go ahead and hop in um, to, to kind of your first point here on, on what, what should a good leader be? Awesome, man. Well, let's, let's just go straight for it. So the first thing is, is, is this leaders are relentless about the mission, relentless about the mission. Um, it's the leader's responsibility to drive the mission. I remember uh, a few years ago, I had a, a former leader who got his first job as a youth pastor. And every time I would see him, I'm like, man, how are things going? Things are going great. Would tell me about the, the lock-in that he did or the event that he had or whatever. And um, finally he said, Hey man, can we go to lunch? I'm like, sure. So we sit down and he goes, I am trying to build this ministry. I'm doing everything I possibly can and not seeing any growth, not seeing us move anywhere. And, and as I listened to him, I just asked him, I'm like, man, so what is your mission? And he kind of like stumbled back. Like, what, what do you mean mission? Like, what, what do you mean? I'm doing all the right things. I'm like, yeah, but what is the why? Why are you doing these things? What is the mission that you have to do it? Because if you don't have a mission, it's kind of like a car that, that gets stuck in the mud right? You're, you're spinning your wheels. You're doing a lot of things. You're making a lot of noise. You're using up a lot of energy, right? You're using up gas, which isn't a good thing right now, but you're doing all this stuff to try to get out of this hole. But, and it's not for lack of effort, but you're not moving anywhere. And that's kind of like a ministry without a mission. And uh, I think that the problem is, is there's way too many ministries, student ministries specifically, that can't tell you why they do what they do. 
there's no mission behind it. And so the first thing, if we're going to be relentless about the mission, we have to have a mission. So if you are, are one of those youth pastors, that's like, man, I love my job. I love doing this, but you can't articulate why I would encourage you to form a mission, right? Form a mission, figure out what it is that you've been called to do and, and write that down because that needs to be the guiding force in what you do. If you are the leader of that ministry, if you're the leader of those leaders, you need to be relentless about that mission. And for a lot of youth pastors, maybe you have a mission, um, but you don't live by it, right? It's a cute phrase. And maybe it goes on the top of um, handouts that you give out leader meetings. Maybe it's even on the wall somewhere in your building, but you don't live by it. And what I mean is that if you are relentless about the mission, making sure everyone knows the mission, you have to make sure that everyone knows it. If I were to go ask somebody who's in your ministry right now, somebody that you're leading, if I were to ask them um, about your mission, what is it that, that you guys are trying to accomplish? Would they be able to articulate it? Whether it's a, a staff member you lead, whether it's volunteers that you lead, or whether it's someone participating in your ministry, could they articulate it? Have you made sure everyone knows it? Are you repeating it often? And that's a thing that a lot of us are like, well, we said it one time, maybe we even did a series on it, but is it something that's being repeated often? Um, and then also if you're living by this mission, if you're relentless about this mission as the leader, um, it means protecting the mission by not getting distracted with things that don't further the mission. And this is a huge one because student ministry, we do, we want it to be fun. We want to do events that our students are going to want to attend that they're going to want to bring friends to, but there's a tendency sometimes to do things for the sake of doing them instead of doing them to further the mission. And that's where we have to rein ourselves in. That's where we have to roll things back. That's where we as leaders need to be relentless about the mission when it comes to event planning, when it comes to gathering leaders or gathering students or whoever it is that you bring into your process of planning events, you need to be the one that's continually reminding them, let's continue planning this. Let's, let's pour all of our time, energy, and effort into this. But with this in mind, here is the mission. So um, protecting that mission so we don't get distracted from it is a huge piece of being relentless. And then, then the follow-up, this is another huge piece of it in, in really understanding what that mission is, is using the mission as the measuring stick in your ministry. So when you debrief an event, when you go back and look at the last six months, when you look at the last year, whatever it is, use the mission as the measuring stick to say, did we achieve this? Because there's a ton of metrics that you can use in, in student ministry, right? Numbers, salvations, um, camp signups. There's all the different ones that we like to look at. Have you fulfilled the mission though? And if you are relentless about the mission, it means that you are using the mission as the measuring stick to determine success or to determine where you need to refocus so that you can continue to pursue that mission. So that's point number one, be relentless about the mission. Leaders are relentless about the mission. Wow. That's, that's so good. So a couple of questions kind of right off the bat. Um, let's, let's say I'm a youth pastor listening to this and our, our youth ministry, we don't have a mission statement or a mission that we kind of live by as a ministry. How do you even go about kind of creating or coming up with, with that mission? Yeah, great question. Great question. And that's, that's really where a lot of youth ministries are at. Is when I'm not quite sure. 
um, I'd say the first step in that is figuring out what, what is your church's mission? Does your church have one? And now, unfortunately, there's a lot of churches that don't either. Um, but if your church has a mission, how can you embody that in student ministry? Now, again, there's going to be cases where uh, maybe that mission is not where you're headed at all. And I've worked in churches like that before where the mission of the overall church was not the mission that I wanted um, in student ministry. And so you have to figure out what is it that we want to accomplish. I think it starts by asking those questions. So as you're writing that out, you're, you're asking the question of what is it that we want to accomplish? Um, are you just putting on a fun thing for church kids to do? And if you are, identify that. And I mean, I have opinions on that, but I'm not going to say that you should, that, that's your, you decide if that's what you think that God is calling you to do and figure out how you can then nail exactly what you're trying to do in that. If you're, you feel like God is calling you to reach students and bring in students who don't know Jesus, then nail down, that's what God's calling me to do. How do we create language to, to identify that that's what we're here for? I think it starts with really understanding, seeking God to understand what is it that you want me to do with this, understanding the culture of the church, the culture that you want to create, and putting those into words. Now, um, I've seen missions that that are kind of rambly. You know, maybe they're like two paragraphs long. Um, I would try to condense what it is that God's calling you to do into a sentence, into something that can easily be relayed so that you can be relentless about it so that you can, can talk to your leaders so that they can understand it so they can embody it. Um, our mission is, is this, this is what, what I operate my ministries off of. And I've operated them off of for the last 12 years is we exist to reach students for Christ and guide them into a real relationship with him themselves and others. So it's pretty simple, um, but we can unpack it for days. There's a lot in there. So first, figure out what it is God's calling you to do, figure out where that fits into the overall mission of the church, and then put those into words that you can live by. Hmm. That's so good. Um, I, I, I kind of, one other thought as it kind of relates to mission, um, what, what are kind of like the potential pitfalls if mission and vision don't line up? Because I feel like mission and vision kind of work hand in hand together. Um, so if you're, if you have a vision of where you want to go as a student ministry and that mission is not taking you towards that, what, what are some of the possible pitfalls in that? Um, burnout. That's one of the huge <laughs> ones. Yeah. I think it kind of goes back to uh, the, the car analogy you know, you're going to spend so much time, energy, and effort trying to get to get somewhere that you don't know where it is. You know, I, um, I've said it this way before. When I, when I first moved to college, I knew exactly what I wanted. I wanted a burrito. Like I knew that that's, I was starving. I wanted this burrito, but I didn't know the place that I lived. I just moved to this, to the, a new town, had no idea where to go. And this was, this was back in the day before cell phones, right? Before our phones had GPS where you could just look it up. Like some of our listeners might have absolutely no idea what I'm talking about, but there was a time where you had to like look on MapQuest and like find something online. You know, it was, it was a disaster. Um, but I remember being in college going, man, I want this. I want, I, I need to get a burrito right now. But, and I knew what I wanted, but I had absolutely no idea how to get there. 
And I think that that can sometimes be what, it, what it's like when you, the mission and the vision don't line up. You kind of have an idea of here's where I want to get, but you have no idea how to get there, the driving force that's going to get you there. And so I think there, there are steps and they have to go off of one another. So I think um, when you've formed that mission, then comes the vision. The vision has to be built off of the mission. So when you decide, okay, here's what we're about, here's why we do what we do, then we form, here's where we want to go. And here's what it looks like for us to get there. So I think that they have to go hand in hand and it might be some revision to get there. If you, if you're in a spot where that's the case, I think that maybe some revision on either of those needs to happen. So they align in order to get there. Yeah, that's, that's good. I never, I never thought about the whole uh, vision is kind of built off of, of mission. Um, but, but it's true. Like if you don't know where you're going, if you're, if you don't know what your mission is, how do you know how you're going to get to where you're going? Yeah. I mean, right. Yeah, that's good. That's good. So uh, second thing a leader should be, um, go for it. Yeah. So second thing is this, is leaders need to be obsessed with authenticity, obsessed with authenticity. So I I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram or if some of the listeners are familiar with the Enneagram, um, but I'm a three on the Enneagrams, which means I'm a high achiever. Um, I love to uh, accomplish things. I love to Um, be seen like somebody who's accomplished things. I'm very image conscious of wanting to be seen um, as somebody who is awesome, who does things well. And and so with that, I've become really good in my life at faking it. I can go into a situation and I can give off what I want other people to see in order to be seen well. I became really good at faking it. And so I'm like, man, um, this, it it kind of became my default in everything I did. Um, even in my walk with God, it was really a show. I grew up in church and I became really good at looking a certain way, acting a certain way, saying the right things to get approval from my leaders, from um, my peers, from everyone. Um, and, and for me, it was really rocked when I found a church um, that was all about being real. I started attending a church and I started interning at that church. It was the first church that I worked at. And their vision is being real with ourselves, being real with others, being real with God. And it, it rocked my life. It changed my life completely because it was a concept that I had never fully understood. I was really good at faking it. And so this was, was the opposite going, wow, I don't need to fake it in order to get the approval of God, the approval of others, the approval of all these things, because um, that's, that's kind of the opposite of what the gospel is. And I think we all know that, obviously, if we're, um, if we're working in the church, we're like, yeah, we, we could articulate that, but internalizing it is different. And it was huge for me. And I think when I understood that, it changed my leadership as well. Leaders need to be obsessed with authenticity. And, and what I mean is this, there was uh, the, the tendency for us to just continue uh, to, to be robots in a sense or to fake it. Um, came out of the, the industrial age. When the industrial age was happening, um, our country was moving into rapid manufacturing. And what leaders did at that time was motivate their people to work as quickly as they could. There was no personal connection. There was nothing. Um, and if the person that was working on in the factory in that assembly line wasn't moving quickly, what they would do is just say, all right, you're gone. And if that person wasn't happy with their job, if they weren't fulfilled, if they didn't feel like their strengths were being utilized, that's fine. You get rid of them and you find someone else who move as fast or faster than that person. 
fast forward to the digital age, what, what we have now is we, it's a very different world. And we have an age where employees are expected to think critically on multiple levels, to start um, moving in a different direction, to start thinking in a different way. And so leadership needs, needs to evolve to a point, place where we're able uh, to help people and, and to uh, help them perform their best by identifying their strengths, by offering um, solutions, by helping them to really understand who they are. And in order to do that, we have to move to authenticity. Right? The answer, it lies in authentic leadership. And so what we need to do is cultivate um, a, a culture of the people that we lead and in within us specifically where we can be authentic because what it's going to do is it's going to inspire trust in your team. If you're authentic, you're going to inspire trust in your team. It's going to create a collaboration environment. If you're authentic and you're seeking authenticity from other people, you're unlocking their creativity and you're allowing for a collaboration to happen. And it also, it creates community too. It creates community because you're working in a place where you're like, man, this person is real. This person is someone that I want to be around because they are real. This is someone that I can be real too. So you're sharing, people are sharing with one another what is truly going on, which is what deep down we all crave is human connection. And so we want that connection or connection in general. And so we're getting that by being authentic and we're creating a culture that does that. So when we as the leader are obsessed with authenticity, it can change the atmosphere of the entire team and of the people we lead and of ourselves. And so here's how we do it. It starts with us. So it starts with us being real with ourselves. And it, it sounds weird to say real with ourselves, but we actually lie to ourselves the most. You know, as I was wrestling with what does this look like and, and still wrestle with, it starts with me being honest with myself, with me being real and working on, in authenticity in my own life um, of calling out not only my shortcomings, but also calling out things that I know that I excel at so that I'm able to place myself in a spot where I don't have to fake it, where I can be authentic about it. So it starts with being real with ourselves, being real with God as well, because that's where, where us as a leader, if we can be authentic with God and we can have that authentic relationship with God, where it's not built on us faking it and trying to prove ourselves to him, we're going to be leading out of a place where we are open to where God is leading, where we're not trying to fight with God because we're being authentic. Um, and, and, and maybe for um, someone listening, it, it looks like this, just simply admitting that you don't know, which is such a hard thing to do when you're leading. People look to us over this last season, man, during COVID, it was wild how many times people are looking to us and I'm looking to people above me and they're looking to some going, what the heck do we do? And nobody knows. And I think one of the most wise things we could do during that season was straight up say, I don't know. Most of the problems that I've seen within churches and the people that I've talked to throughout this time, it's when people fake it and pretend like they knew what the heck was going on. And then they ended up in a place where they're like, man, I wish I would just said I didn't know because I really didn't know. So, so maybe that is piece of, a piece of um, being obsessed with authenticity is letting your team know, letting the people know. It's okay to say, I don't know. And then it's also okay to show your fears when it comes to leading a team of staff or volunteers. It's okay to let them know, Hey, we're going to try this, but here's what I'm afraid of. Yes. As the leader, we need to project um, confidence. We need to help them help our people get to a place where they can 
be confident what we're doing, but that doesn't mean becoming a robot. We have to show our fears. We need to show um, the human side and be real about that in order to lead people, which um, again is a switch in, in what culture has said for so long, but it's really what people are craving. And as you look at the generations that we're leading, that's what they want. They sniff out a fake so quickly. And so if we're going to be effective leaders, we need to be obsessed with authenticity. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think most of us as student pastors know how, how much this generation that we are leading values authenticity. I go back to our episode. We had uh, Elijah Lamb on. I don't know if you're familiar with Elijah at all. Uh, he's a Gen Z content creator on TikTok. And I just kind of asked him, like, what, what does Gen Z want from us as youth pastors? And that was his answer. He says, we want you to be authentic. He says, I'm not talking about being authentic. Like, Oh yeah, I get mad sometimes when I drive, when people cut me off in traffic, like be real about what you're struggling with. Like um, yeah. if you're anxious, if you're, if you have feelings of, of fear, whatever it is, it's okay to not be okay. But how do you move past that? So yeah, absolutely. That's good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. So I, I'm kind of intrigued by uh, your, your last point here. <laughs> um, so why don't you go ahead and share this last point? Yeah. Point number three is this is um, leaders, man, leaders are serious about letting loose. Okay. Now this sounds kind of like, okay, aren't we supposed to like buckle down and be serious? But um, I, it, I think it, what I'm really trying to articulate here is, is work hard, play hard. The idea that there needs to be a balance. And, and if you are a leader that's continually trying to um, just push things forward, which is great. I'm not saying we, we don't do that. You need to have, have built in time where you can let loose. Now, let me explain it a little bit more. I mean, we take the mission very seriously, but we want to be people that take the mission seriously, but don't take ourselves too serious. Right? We're, we're not going to be the person that, that um, is difficult to follow because we're, we're taking ourselves too seriously. I, I just talked with um, someone the other day who got a new boss. They, their church kind of did some reshuffling and they ended up with a new boss and the, and the culture of their team really shifted. Um, the person that came in just immediately started um, just going hard, like having these meetings with, with agendas fully printed out and all this stuff. And as I was talking to my friend, she's like, what, like, what should have happened here? Like, this doesn't seem right. And I'm like, man, if I were the one leading this, I don't know that our first two, maybe even three meetings would cover anything. Like we would be playing mini golf, right? We would be doing something to um, build those relational aspects before we jump straight in. Like we're able to kind of cut loose, to breathe, to give that, that, um, that care and attention to relational equity instead of just starting immediately in on, on pushing things forward. And so uh, I think being serious about letting loose is, is knowing how to have fun with the team. Um, especially when it comes to leading volunteers, we, we don't see these people every day in the office. And so when we see them, they show up for groups, they show up for weekend service, whatever. They're really just showing up to serve. And it's like, punch your time clock, serve for this hour, peace out. And maybe even outside of that, hopefully you're encouraged those leaders to showing up in lives of students. But as they're doing that, all they're doing is, is work and no play really. And, and we, we have the fortunate um, job of being in student ministry. So our work kind of looks like play a lot of times, um, which is amazing, but 
What I mean is we got to be able to have fun with our teams and help them to um, be in a fun environment, make work something that's fun. So I think when it comes to leading our people, we need to be able to let loose, um, to allow for fun to happen, to um, lead in a relaxed environment, but also on the personal side of it, this is a huge one, is we have to be able to let loose ourselves. Now, again, if you're anywhere, any, any way like me, um, taking days off is not an easy thing. But if we're going to be effective leaders, we have to let loose by taking days off ourselves, unplugging on those days where we take the days off and resting. My wife has gotten to a point where she will thank me for taking days off. She'll be like, you did a really good job. Like she encourages me, Todd, you, you were, you did a great job today, not checking your phone. And like, I kind of laugh about it and then it kind of makes me mad, but then it kind of hurts. I'm like, that's so true that that's me. And if we as leaders are going to get to a point where we're able to be um, the best that we can, we have to be able to learn how to take days off, to take rest seriously, to let loose every once in a while, um, to do our best at unplugging and turning off our mind, which is so hard because again, if you're like me, even on our days off, all I'm doing is thinking about the next step that I'm going to take, uh, the next meeting I'm going to lead, how we're going to move the mission forward. But pausing can actually be the most um, helpful in moving the mission forward. And it, and it works, it's counterintuitive for us because we're like, wait a sec, if we don't do anything, how's that going to help? But it actually does. And so I think if you are um, going to embody what God has called you to when it comes to being a leader, you have to be serious about letting loose in the work environment and also on your own personally when it comes to resting. Wow. That's, that's so good. And I think, honestly, I think letting loose may be one of the, one of the best ways to build trust among a team of people. You know, it's, it's been ingrained in me early in ministry to um, kind of going back to, to the phrase uh, work hard and play hard. Um, I had a, I had a pastor kind of uh, really mentor me over the years. And, and his, his phrase was, if you work hard and, and play hard, you get to pray hard. Um, so they, it just lowers that level of, uh, lowers the walls, so to speak, and, and builds trust among, um, among a team. So I think, yeah, I think that's great. Absolutely. Um, I, I have one question, um, kind of, kind of based on, um, kind of letting loose personally. And I, I guess, uh, you kind of mentioned kind of setting some boundaries for yourself and, um, personally, as far as, um, taking time to rest. Mm -hmm. How do how do you find that balance as a, a youth pastor? Like say there's a youth pastor listening to this, who's full-time youth pastor or even like, like bivocational youth pastors. I think have a hard time with this. Well, yes. um, how do you find that balance and rhythm and in, in, in ministry and balancing that with life and family? Like how, what are some creative ways that you've, you've found to do that? Uh, I think the first one is intentionality because there's always going to be something that you can say yes to. And so if you're intentional about saying no and protecting those days, whatever day it is, if you're intentional about that, uh, it's going to be the easiest because it's really easy to just fill up your schedule by saying yes. I, and I've been so guilty of that for years and years and years. Um, and, and there are times when you have to though, you know, there are times when you can't say no to something. Um, but I think that's where the intentionality of finding other times that you can take that where you can switch that 
um, is really important. Um, for, you know, for example, if you have midweek programming and you have a Wednesday night where you're going to be there from six to 10 that night, maybe you don't start work until noon. You know, maybe you're switching off times that you are working and you're not in order to build those rest rhythms, those times, those, those downtimes in your life. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing is really just being intentional about it because you can look up and go, wow, I've worked every single day for the last three weeks straight. It's very, very easy to do that, especially when it comes to um, just the busyness of life itself. And if you have, if you're working two, two jobs, if you are um, in the rhythms of with family and, and there's so many factors and you, you really have to fight for those times. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, no can be one of the hardest words to say, but it's also one of the most freeing words. Honestly, absolutely. I love, I love that word. I, I've learned to love it. Um, but, but it's, it's one that I've learned to say and it's hard, but, uh, absolutely necessary at times. Um, awesome. Todd, thank you, uh, for, for sharing these, these three things that leaders, leaders should be as far as relentless about the mission, obsessed with authenticity and about letting loose. I think that's, those are three really good, uh, really good keys as, as leaders, I believe. So, uh, before we close out, I want to give you an opportunity to share three to five minutes of what, uh, what the Lord's speaking to you in this season. We are firm believers that whatever Lord's speaking to you, uh, can be beneficial for other people. So, uh, well, what is, what has the Lord been teaching you? Well, thanks, man. I appreciate you giving me the time to, to kind of share and, and to process that. And, you know, I think, uh, the, the idea that we have to be relentless about the mission in our ministry kind of, kind of has the other side when it comes to our calling personally. And, and a lot of times those inter, intersect and, and they have a lot to do with the, each other. But what God's really been teaching me lately is uh, to lean into his calling for me personally. I think sometimes I get caught up in the ministry, get caught up in what's happening, get caught up in the doing of that. And I forget some of the calling that he's placed on me personally, first and foremost, my relationship with, with him. Um, you know, obviously that's why, by, by letting, why letting loose and, and having those rest times are super important. But for me, um, the first thing God's called me to is, is he's called me to be his child, to be his son, to spend time with him. And that's a, something that I had to refocus on recently and go, man, I've done such a uh, what I would call a good job at leading others to Jesus, but I haven't come to Jesus myself and, and I've suffered because of that. And so refocusing on my calling personally meant refocusing on my relationship with God, taking those times to build that, um, realizing that the only times I've been opening the Bible are to write a message instead of to learn from God, to, to really worship him and love him um, by spending time with him. So first and foremost, it's that. And then second for me is really just realizing, okay, what is it that God has called me to? What does he want me to do? And refocusing on that because it frames everything else. It frames where you're at. It frames your church. It frames how you're, you're living out the things that you're teaching to students. And so for me, it, I've really had to focus on what is it that God has called me to do and understanding that, that his calling um, it, sometimes it changes. So it, it might mean moving jobs. I mean, I'm, I'm going extreme here, but it might mean that it's time for you to move from the church that you're at into another place. It might mean moving States away. It might mean going to place, place that you don't want to go. 
but God's called you to do that. And sometimes we block out what God's calling us to do or what God wants for us because we don't want to do it. We don't want to hear it. So big thing for me lately has been just refocusing on what is God's calling for me? And am I still in the middle of that? Is what he called me to years ago still where he wants me now? And I think it's a good thing for all of us to do is just pause sometimes and think, what is it that God has called me to do? Where am I at right now? Is, am I still in the center of God's will or am I blocking that part out because I, I'm afraid of what God might be calling me to do next or what I'm missing in his calling on my life right now? Wow, that's good. That's good stuff, man. Uh, I appreciate that. Um, and kind of before we, before we close out here, um, shameless plug. Where can people find you on social media? <laughs> yeah, you can uh, you can follow me directly at the Todd Jones on Instagram, the Todd underscore Jones on Instagram. Um, but you can also follow what I do at Stoked on Youth Ministry. So you can find it at stokedonyouthministry.com or you can also find that um, on Instagram at Stoked on Youth Ministry. So um, yeah, just uh, thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. I really I uh, enjoy getting to to just talk ministry, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again uh, for, for coming on with us, man. Um, until next time, Youth Ministry United Nation, have a great week. Hey, youth pastors, don't you love how ministry is easy? How every week is the exact same, how you only have to focus on one thing all week. There's always plenty of resources to go around to your youth ministry. Now, obviously, that's a bit of a joke, but hopefully your logo is not. Bright Coal Creative is on a mission to fix bad branding in the church. Now, Josh has spent a lot of time on staff. He's he spent time volunteering at churches and spent the last decade working at an advertising agency. So if you'd like to see some of the work that he does, go to brightcoal.com. That's B-R-I-G-H-T-C-O-A-L.com slash logos. Or if you need some lunch break entertainment today, check out his logo review series on YouTube at Grade My Logo with Bright Cole.